0: Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Mark Madden Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Always a pleasure to talk Pittsburgh sports, and joining me now to do just that is Tim Benz. Tim, uh, let's forget about Pittsburgh sports for just one second. Where does Succession rank among the top TV shows ever? Because I think some recent episodes have propelled it into that
1: discussion. Just dramas or remixing comedies into the boat? Uh. You can you can do both. Uh, I would have it at the bottom of the top ten, probably somewhere at the bottom of the top ten for TV shows. Period for TV shows. Period. Yeah, Breaking Bad is my number one, and then everything. Breaking
0: called... Bad and Better Call Saul, which I see as a group entry. I
1: see Better Call Saul as a continuation. See, I was not as big of a Better Call Saul fan. In fact, I really didn't get into Better Call Saul. So I thought at Better All. Call
0: Saul actually had more subtlety.
1: Too much subtlety.
0: No, I I, I I like that part of it, but uh, but yeah, I rank Succession below uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, probably right even with The Sopranos.
1: Like it's in my top five for sure. I think that it's. I don't know if it has the staying power. I don't, I think they cut it off at the right point. I don't think that the succession plan after Logan leaves is sustainable. So. The, the
0: minute the minute Logan died the show had to end soon but by the same token for the show to reach its climax logan had to die it, it came with an expiration date the whole the whole show the whole the whole title succession what a teased.
1: exactly and that's where breaking bad was different or better call saul was different the protagonist had to stay alive for as long as possible and with uh, you can't call him a protagonist he's more an anti-hero logan had to die at some point to move the show along because they're already getting bogged down. I mean, you and I have talked about that at times. Oh, they
0: were getting bogged down till Logan died. This was not a good season till Logan died. Then that episode was tremendous. The episode, the penultimate one that just dared is tremendous. Those are two of the best episodes of TV ever done. See, I really like the episode in the mountains
1: in, in Norway. Yeah, excellent. Like I said, after after Logan died, it really picked up. And I would even say that some of them, after Logan died... Were better. I mean, I know that the Logan dying episode has gotten a lot of run and a lot of hype. Um, I don't know if it was as well written and executed as the way some portray it because I think it just dragged out the death scene a bit. Um, There's a lot of back and forth on the phone and the plane, you know. And I know what they were going for, especially because they were separated by distance and miles. That was part of what they were going for. But I do think it was dragged out a little bit in some of the episodes I thought afterwards were, were better. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the tailgating one, they called it the tailgate. The excellent. Election, excellent. Uh, excellent. Uh, election night show I thought was really good.
0: Yeah, so I think they've done a tremendous job. I can't wait for the final episode, which sadly I'll be at Conneaut Lake, so I'll have to watch it, you know, on demand, like probably Monday night or Tuesday. What's your prediction, Tim? Who winds up winning in the season finale? Because there will be winners and losers, no question.
1: I think Rome's out of it, right?
0: I don't think he can regroup after after he became the uh, what what did
1: uh, Menken call him the Grim Weeper. <laughs> That's a great line. By the way, did you see my Succession Succession plan in the Trib for the Penguins GM? Uh, I did not. I had every single main character of Succession as a candidate for the Penguins general manager's job, and I did pros and cons of each one.
0: Well, it, it can't be can't be Roman. Well, technically, it couldn't be I mean, Logan either. This coming season might make the GM cry at some point. <laughs>
1: I I don't want it to be so easily triggered as with him. So, like Logan, I did pros. Titan of American industry has led bigger comebacks than the Penguins have taken smaller projects and made them into a huge success before. Cons: He's dead, but still might be better than the last guy. Well, I love the scene in the uh, in the in the
0: most recent episode where where uh, Kendall. Uh, tried to keep Mencken from bullying Roman about I, him crying. By the way, I think it's going to be Kendall. I think it's
1: going to be Kendall has wins? It, that wins, but has an empty, tattered, shattered life. I think the last... Well, he becomes his that The last shot will essentially be him like looking out of his apartment window or something with no one around him in charge. And you know Je- you can see this setting up already. Like Jess has left. I think Roman is going to become ostracized after... Last week's episode, Shiv's gonna want no part of him and might go off with Mattson in some sort of way to be an enemy. And uh, I just I see him being all it's all with the kid, the kid and the wife. I think that's what they're setting up to do. Um, yeah, where Kendall basically becomes Logan and has nothing. Okay, I'm rooting for Tom and Greg. I'm trying to figure out a way how they could pull that off.
0: Well, because because uh, Mattson kind of warmed up to 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 Greg perversely. Well, he after wants,
1: initially hating him. He wants Greg to be his piss boy the same way he is now for Tom, but in more of a druggy way. Right, right, a druggy yeah. party way. Or
0: maybe Tom becomes the guy and Greg just comes along again as the piss
1: boy. That could be it. He could be a piss boy for both of them. Yeah, I mean, it, there's so many possibilities. Spin off right there if you want a succession spin off. I, don't, I, I think those
0: characters are actually too one-dimensional. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Logan becoming, uh, excuse me, Kendall becoming Logan, that's the betting favorite, I would say. Uh, let's move on to the Penguins GM thing. We know it won't be Logan because he's dead. Uh, uh, the Penguins GM situation is going to get settled real soon. If it's Kyle Dubas, as
1: looks the case, is that a good thing? If he's into it. You know, if if that was all a show, you know, if the Crocodile Tears in Toronto were just that to make it look like he wanted to stay and, you know, he was sort of playing to the media and was... I, meant- I don't
0: think he wanted to deal with the aftermath of saying, I might go somewhere else. I don't think he wanted to answer questions about that then and there.
1: It's a tough job for so him... So he to- said Toronto or nothing. Yeah, I mean, I, it's a tough job for him to take because he's looking for a rebound, and this is not a real great rebound gig... Oh no, it's a rotten gig. Unless he's allowed to do whatever he
0: wants. If he can put his plan in, Jesus, I never get I never get texts at all. And now I'm getting is a million it Kyle Dubas? of Dubas. It's not good. No, I did text him yesterday though. Did you? You got, yes. you found his number. Uh yeah. Yeah, he's a fan of mine from my WCW days. I didn't know that. He's a wrestling guy. Apparently not too yeah, if you look at his Twitter, he follows like Triple H and people I like that. I do love
1: him. the best thing about Cal Dubas is his Twitter photo. With the phone in each hand, talking at the same time—that's very funny and self-reflexive. But, uh, but apparently,
0: not so big a fan that he texted me back. back. <laughs> he did not text me back. So, but yeah, but uh, you see, I- I'm torn, Tim, because I would hire Dubas. Okay, I think he's the best choice available, and I. A lot of critics say, "Well, what did he do in Toronto?" Well, he didn't win, just like everybody else in Toronto since 1967. I want a new-age analytics guy. I don't want some old-school blockhead who's going to emphasize grit, but by the same token, Tim, the Penguins have zero grit, and I've been
1: watching these playoffs, and all I see is grit, as with Florida. Maybe Dubas finds the guy who weds analytics and grit and finds a kachuk. Maybe he's got an eye for that. Yeah, because there's plenty of them available. I I mean, I know they're rare, but find one cuz those are the guys that you need apparently. I I think Dubas maybe not today or tomorrow
0: will want his own coach too. And and that's going to put people in it cuz cuz here's the thing. Dubas can execute his vision. But if Sullivan's interest insists on playing high octane run and gun, get the next goal even when you lead 3 nothing,
1: uh maybe Dubas could go that direction then and actually find guys who can play it like Rutherford did. In 15, well, back half of 15, 16, Yeah, but the single biggest
0: problem, Tim, about anything, and in particular that, you can't get rid of Grandlin, Petrie, Rada, and Carter. You're stuck with them. You needed to put youth and energy around the core three. The prior administrations did not, and now Dubas is stuck with what he's stuck with.
1: And there's no Connor Bedard this year to chase for teams to want to tank. So taking on bad contracts for teams that are... Dunking on themselves to try to get far down in the draft lottery—that's not going to be as readily available. Um, and you know, Dubis has done that in the past with teams that have been looking to take on bad contracts. He's he's swung trades like that. Uh, the Penguins have tried to swing trades like that. Sometimes they have, but that's that's a tough thing to do right now. Well,
0: again, it's a tough job because I don't see any old guys winning in the playoffs. I don't see finesse teams winning in the playoffs. Right. I think. The, I mean, and it's not the fault of Crosby, Latang, and Malkin. As I said a few moments ago, they needed better and younger and more energetic assembled
1: around them. But but the fact is, at some point, those guys hit a wall too. Yeah, they hit a wall in late March and early April, like the last month of the season. Um, they've hit a wall in the playoffs the last four years. So I do think the finesse skillsy, analytics hex that's being talked about over the playoffs this year was applicable to the Penguins in each of the last four post seasons, like the stars haven't scored all that much in each of the last four postseasons. Sid did before the concussion against the Rangers. I get it, but um, that was only a couple game thing before he got hurt, and he got hurt because of the style of the playoffs.
0: Do you think the Penguins are fixable to make the playoffs next year?
1: No, because I think the other teams behind them, you know, from Detroit, 10, Ottawa, Buffalo. I think those teams are getting better. And I, I don't do think too. the Penguins are, and then it's a And of I what, don't think the teams above the Penguins are necessarily getting worse. And the, uh, the Panthers, who they're obviously contending with all year, have found themselves. Well,
0: they're going to be a juggernaut next year. They needed a year to find themselves, although... They needed I, like
1: half a year to find themselves. I don't know if you can count on Bob in the long term. Like, you know, maybe Boston comes back to the pack, but not so much. I think Tampa's coming back to the pack, but not to the point that they're going to be behind the Penguins. They're not going to slide behind the Penguins. You know, the Rangers might have screwed themselves up, um, but, you know... The Caps are in it just as much as the Penguins are. The Caps aren't in it just as much as the Penguins aren't. Like, there's no there's no clear-cut path, Mark, for them to weave their way back into the top eight.
0: Rossi and Yohe did that very revealing article at The Athletic. And uh, for one thing, e- even though I think they're buffoons who made a lot of terrible decisions... Rossi and Yoey, I agree. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, Hextal and Burke. <laughs> I think that uh, that they were victims of a bait-and-switch. That... that the, the, when Morehouse was in charge, he wanted them to disassemble the big three under Lemieux's ownership. And, and then when FSD took over, it was keep the stars. Their job description got totally changed. And don't get me wrong, I don't think they could have executed the original plan uh, to, to a great degree of effectiveness. But but the job description did change.
1: Does that sort of clue you in or clue us in all the way back to when Rutherford left? Is that Was that the genesis of Rutherford leaving? Uh, no, I think the
0: genesis of Rutherford leaving was he just didn't get along with Morehouse
1: after a while. And he got tired of dealing with him. I think that's basically... But what were they fighting over? Were they fighting over this? Were they fighting over this plan to how to disassemble the core three? That I, You always hear that Jim
0: wanted to trade Letang and Morehouse didn't. But that goes against the grain of you know Morehouse wanting to disassemble the big three. That's what I'm saying. Like you know, I think it was more day to day irritation. Okay, I don't think there was any you know grand picture as to why Jim left, and you know nothing
1: he said since indicates that that there was. Uh, How about that angle to the story where Rossi and Yori were talking about how Morehouse had it in his mind's eye that he could sell a sale off of the. Two maybe two or the three core three keeping Sid and getting rid of the right, other two, by right. a Way of making it look like Burke and Hextall were rubber stamped Lemieux guys. Like that was his that was his plan, right? Like that's what the story said was to make it look like Lemieux signed off on those two, sprinkled the Lemieux pixie dust on them, and what they think that should go.
0: Yeah, I don't know if Mario would have wanted that. That that doesn't strike me as something he'd be crazy. About. I didn't.
1: Not that I didn't buy what those guys wrote. I didn't buy that it could have been executed, and maybe that's why Morehouse is with the Steelers today.
0: Well, here's something I came away. Would you from, agree with that? Or? Uh, I think Morehouse is with the Steelers because he he'll do a great job getting them a new stadium. You know, I I think that's why he's there. Um, as one thing, another thing I took away from the story too, there's too many people whose approval is sought when decisions
1: are made. Like Solomon's and Crosby's?
0: Well, yeah, not I mean not you know, like how will the fans feel too? And I think to a lesser extent, Letang and Malkin. You know what I mean? It just like you need a GM with a vision and tells the coach what to do with the talent he's supplied with.
1: Well, they had the opportunity. I mean, like this is the most frustrating part about talking about this whole thing is that it it was right there and obvious to keep Sid, let the other guys go, take the money. That you would have spent on them. Don't keep Russ, don't keep Raquel either, and just start the rebuild then. It was right there if you wanted to do it. But
0: Sid doesn't want that. But Sid Sullivan doesn't want that.
1: They didn't want it, so they decided to stick with it. Well, this is what you got. Like I just I have no pity for the situation. You that got in. what you asked for, and it's not working. And it okay. hadn't worked for four years before. Well, they haven't won a playoff series
0: since 2018, and everybody hates me for saying this, but that's when they should have traded Malkin. You could have got a king's ransom from a team like Florida for Malkin and started a youthful rebuild around Sid without the team declining much in the immediacy.
1: Uh, you know, it's not like I mean, maybe Penguins fans can't remember what this looked like, but Steelers fans can. It's like, you know, it was the willful decline that was the 1980s for the Steelers the Steel Curtain because they got so heartbroken over Franco leaving. You know, like they couldn't say goodbye to anybody else.
0: Right. They turned the team into into a nostalgia show. And that's what the Penguins are now, although it's different because Malkin, Crosby, and LeTang still play well. They just didn't assemble who was necessary around them, but by keeping all three, it was almost impossible to assemble what was necessary around them, yeah. especially when you're trading a lot of draft picks and and prospects.
1: And they didn't really have a choice at the end of the Lemieux era. Like, if you, if you consider what the Lemieux-Yager era was, extended all the way out to Mario's second comeback— and basically ending in 01 in that conference final with the devils cuz yager left after that year that looked more like what happened to the pirates you know where the, the economy of the game picked him apart this was a you know you at some point you were going to have to make a conscious decision stick with this or just have him retire here so you could say goodbye on their terms they chose that second path And that's why I don't know why a GM would want to come in, because now it's just up to those guys when they want to retire. Well, money. And it's, you know,
0: one of only 32 jobs. And uh, FSG really backs its executives. So Dubas might feel he'd get, you know, A, big money, B, total control, C, a long run to see the process through. Uh, That's why I could see him taking this job under those terms with this employer.
1: One thing I wonder about... Dubas and Sullivan. Like, I don't know if they know each other, how well they know each other. I do know that Sullivan knows and likes Greeley, another candidate that's been bandied around. If Dubas isn't Greeley, and Greeley could have been, like, ostensibly an extension of Sullivan's wants, I wonder how that's going to go over with Sullivan.
0: Doesn't matter at this point. He hasn't won a playoff series since 2018. It shouldn't, but like you just said. I don't think, if if they hire Dubas, it won't. Okay, I'm I'm dying to be a fly on the wall for
1: that. I'd love to hear it.
0: Yep, yep. But but I, I think hiring Dubas indicates uh, a, a turnover in the approach. I mean, this whole thing with the... Not that he'll get rid of the old guys, but just, you know, I, I think you have a guy running the show who's actually running the show.
1: Yeah, and Sullivan, you know, we talked about this during the last podcast. I mentioned it while I was in For You on Tuesday. This whole thing about his AHL action plan you know, as it was talked about, that he's got the hammer with decisions right yeah, now. let just talk.
0: Defense. Blah, blah, blah. What AHL action plan? You can't polish excrement.
1: You can't, but you had excrement at the NHL level, too. He should look at, in the mirror when it comes to criticizing
0: what's down there, because you chase a guy like Philip Hallander back to Finland because he feels
1: permanently blocked playing in it, Pittsburgh. And, uh... Is not Blomqvist, the other uh, the other goalie that went back to Sweden. But too. the
0: big deal is Hallander. Hallander, Halland, yeah. Hallander should have been on the team last year. Period. Sure, he should have. Instead of some old bastard. And maybe Gruden should have gotten more than three games,
1: and Nylander probably should well, have gotten more than that, three games. Well, not only that,
0: more not only more than three games and more than three minutes per game.
1: And Captain America, Drew O'Connor should have been doing a little bit more too. Although Nylander
0: had some decent minutes, he was in the top six for a while, but you know he went right back down to the bottom six. I, you know, it just I don't know it it. I think Sullivan's time here is basically up, but he's going to be here for a while.
1: I agree, and he keeps getting more power.
0: We'll see about that. If Dubas gets hard, that's, I think, the end of that.
1: I I really do. How do you think Dubas wants to play, and how do you think that's going to mesh with what Sullivan's desires are? I don't know.
0: I don't know. Uh I, think, I mean I know So
1: I know Dubas, I think Dubas
0: is the kind of guy who will adapt to the talent the Penguins have and will insist the coach does the same.
1: I know Dubas likes skill. He went out and got a lot of skill. There's plenty of skill up there in Toronto. That seems to me like it would wed well with Sullivan, but Yeah, but but they don't have skill anymore, Tim. They don't have speed anymore. Even their skill They're a slow, clunky team. Even their skill fast guys like Malkin Latang and Crosby aren't skilled and as fast as they used to be.
0: Uh, the right thing to do would be to burn it down, because this team has won in a while—not a playoff series since 2018, like we've been saying. And the fans would hate it, but at some point, this team is going to suck, and the fans are going to get mad. You know, it's just getting kicked down the road. Uh, but the point is, you can't burn it down because of the no movement causes. There's
1: too much asbestos in the building.
0: I, I would I would trade Gensel. Gensel has a 12 team. You can't trade me there, because I'd trade him just to, just to get things moving in a different direction. But that'll be the test. If Dubas trades Gensel, you know he's in charge because Sid and Sullivan
1: won't like it. That's the funny thing to me is if that were to happen, I think Sid should want Gensel more than he wanted the other two. Because he actually plays with Gensel, and Gensel plays well with him. Sid hates
0: change. He is pathologically opposed to change.
1: But if it comes down to that, and there's only 12 teams that you can't move Jake to, but there's nobody that uh, Malkin and Latang have to sign off on everything, it's ironic to me that the guy that affects Sid the most out of those three options is still the most tradable.
0: Well, but that's because of his contract and it's, uh, I get it it I says it. something Tim when the most tradable guy is the guy who only has a 12 team no movement cost
1: speaking of contracts did you see that daily faceoff post with their top 50 free agents and the I project, did not the projected numbers for I did not jari 4.8 over four I saw I saw one website that projected him 6.3 over six yeah I saw that same thing and they have Zucker I think it was three years at 5.4 they don't need Zucker and he's only making I mean, he, 5.5 he, he now. Did a,
0: he did a good job here his last
1: year, but he was hurt all the
0: time. Otherwise, I don't give him term and money given his injury history. Everybody
1: who was on the list that they posted through this uh, this website that I guess came within a percentage point of every single contract last year, at least that's the way Saravali was talking it up, every contract was significantly lower than I expected it to be. Now, maybe that's flat cap residue. That's exactly what it is. Um, And maybe the other websites that are projecting things like six million for Jari over six are not taking that into account enough. But I will say this, and I'll have to go back and look at what they said about Malkin and Letang. A lot of us, uh, myself included, didn't think that the penguins would be able to retain as many guys as they did because none of us assumed that they'd play out those aging guys with contracts that long. Um, you know, maybe there's there's something within the industry that's a similar blip this year that'll deflate the contracts where you don't have to extend them that deep, but at the same time, keep the cap numbers low. Uh, Tim, I
0: want to talk about uh, Steelers OTAs a bit. Um
1: but we just can't talk about anything that we saw at OTAs. That's my which point. Is, which is good, because I've been to two and have paid no attention whatsoever. Well,
0: I'm not a big OTAs fan. What, what's the point? What gets accomplished? It's football and underwear. I've always said it's a way to get some headlines for a week in each NFL city and to, for the teams to keep an eye on the players to make sure they're not you know out of control with lack of training, bad habits, you know, flashing a gun like John Morant, maybe. I, it, no, it just, it's babysitting, basically.
1: What you get out of it is headlines, and sometimes you get things like I got today from George Pickens that I wrote about today, which is you know the corroboration, at least from this team, um, of what our eyes should have told us the whole time, which is for as much talk as there might be about the Steelers opening things up and having a more explosive offense, they might try to be more explosive, but the whole genesis of everything they're going to do is still try to dominate on first down and try to be explosive on second and three. Like that's still their mentality and now more than ever. Um you know if they wanted to be a really explosive team or a high flying team, they don't sign two guards. They go out and they try to acquire better wide receivers than Allen Robinson. They don't draft Darnell Washington in the 4th round. They draft Michael Mayer in the 2nd oh,
0: round. They still believe in running the ball possessing the ball, controlling the clock, and playing defense. They act like it's the 70s. They want to— And, and, and you know what that will do, Tim? And I've said this many times. It's been borne out the last couple of years, too. They will beat bummy teams with bummy quarterbacks, you know, nine out of ten times using that philosophy. They won't outscore Joe Burrow ever, except they did once last year, but that's because the, well, the long Burrow, snapper well, got hurt.
1: Yeah, and Joe Burrow outscored Joe Burrow because seven of those points were on defense. you right. got to remember that as well right. on the pick six. But, you know, like, Mason Cole is a good guy to talk to. Like, he's pretty frank and kind of good when it comes to X's and O's, too. Was talking about that the biggest thing about them doing better on first and second down is when they try to get those third down conversions and they're constantly throwing the ball short of the sticks and Deontay Johnson is running backwards to try to create angles for himself. You know, if they do what they're planning to do this year, the defenses will be backed off more so they don't finish as far behind the pack when it comes to – Yards after the catch, you know, they're relying on yards after the catch last year and they were in the bottom third of the league. So, you know, like that's, that's a big thing for them. They've just got to dominate on first down. I'm just
0: not sure. Like, again, what you're saying is true and it's very insightful. I'm just not sure it's a topic in, in May. You know, no, you, I mean like
1: the story I wrote I today— I mean, we
0: keep we keep talking you're... the same stuff in May and writing the same stuff in May that we'll do it again in June and July and in August right. over and over till the season starts, just like we did oversaturating
1: with the draft. And you know what whose fault that is, right? Well, it's ours. The penguins and the pirates. For God's sakes, be be relevant in May. Maybe we can hold on to some of this. No, stuff. I see.
0: I disagree. I have treated all week on my show like the GM searches is, is a lot more important than, Peng, than oh, Steelers sure it is yeah. OTAs. But yeah. most hey, I've barely heard the Penguins mentioned on most shows. Seriously. I listened to, to the B team today for, for 45
1: minutes driving around. I never heard the Penguins GM job mentioned. Well, you know why? Because it's uh, it's very intangible. It's a difficult thing to do. I mean, coach hires are tough enough to do. Well, in
0: most cases, it's difficult to discuss if you don't know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, like, and how many people knew who like Dan McKinnon was, even though he worked here? How many here? know or, who Kyle Dubas is? <laughs> yeah. Well, they knew him because he was the funny guy who threw water bottles and yelled at fans in Tampa. It's and, just
0: easy to talk about the quarterback.
1: Yeah, right. You know, oh, all three quarterbacks, Mark. Yeah, well,
0: now you could dress all three. That's, they should call that the, the Brock Purdy rule, the San Francisco rule. Uh, Broderick Jones is running second team at left tackle. What, what's that about? Because he's going to start week one. What exactly is proven there?
1: Well, didn't Dan Moore sort of hint at it, too? He said something to the effect of how he's he's – voluntarily or trying to work himself at right tackle? like It almost sounded like Dan Moore was...
0: Here's what they should do.
1: They should have brought Brock... Uh,
0: like Brock Purdy. They should have brought him in because they didn't have a better quarterback. Uh, they should have brought uh, Broderick Jones... Into the, in the OTA say, okay, you're the starter. We're going to work Dan Moore all over the place. That is being pragmatic and where it's going to end up anyway. And you get a head start on
1: it. Well, it sounds like Dan Moore is the pragmatic one. Cause he's doing it on his own and kind of asking to do it. And his practicing on his own. Sounds like uh, doing right tackle stuff. Well, right. He, you're, you're trying to be fair to Dan Moore and you're actually impeding him. Well, my favorite quote came from Kevin Dotson. Like the funniest quote from OTAs was, was Dotson. When somebody asked him, um, actually I asked him, I was the one that got this answer from him. I said, uh, You know, do they contact you after they sign these guys? He said, well, you know, after they signed Nate Herbig, I got a call from my position coach. And he said, hey, it's just about depth. It'll be a competition. And then sometime around 1130, they signed Isaac. And nobody called me after that.
0: Well, there you go.
1: (laughs) Which I love. I love the candor
0: and honesty of that. Well, I I think Broderick Jones starting week one against Bosa. Is inevitable. Yeah. Gonna have to be all hands on deck well, there. The
1: only question is if Bosa's healthy, I mean he's kind of had some TJ Watt. Well no, Nick Bosa actually is probably more healthy regularly than Joey is. There'll but...
0: be one of the Bose's will show up. If they were twins, you couldn't tell them <laughs> apart. They could they could just switch off. Uh what about Joey Porter Jr.? Is he gonna start? Because they had Levi Wallace switch sides, correct? Uh that's what Wallace said, yeah. Yeah. Because we can't report what, what was seen.
1: Yes. He was asked of it, and I believe he confirmed the questioning to that degree yes do you think Porter starts yeah I do I, I think do. he should unless he's terrible in the preseason or really bad in camp unless he shows he can't um, then they can work around it by having Peterson Levi Wallace and the the Sullivan guy that they signed to play the slot who' actually he does look like more of a steeler slot corner than I thought I thought he's more of a coveragey guy but his build is a little bit more similar to uh Mallette than I expected
0: picking at about 12 or 13 pounds what's that do what are the pros and cons there
1: yeah, I don't know if thirteen pounds um prevents you from getting a concussion when you land in the back of your head. Yeah, it just doesn't. It sounded like a bunch of
0: crap on his part. I, I thought you know, I think he was eating Doritos. He was like Troy Polamalu <laughs> did in the off season.
1: For I, a week, I, just one week. That's right, and one a giant pizza every night. Um the one thing you said about it where he thinks it could tangibly come into play was and this sounds like they want to do some Jalen Hurts stuff. Like they they ran the QB sneak pretty well last year. Um just kind of preparing himself for when he wants to lower the shoulder at the goal line. I think line. it's a
0: decent idea Yeah, to add that to the playbook. And if it's not, we can have another thing to blame Canada for. Uh, Tim, the talk of the town uh, was that Ben Roethlisberger said he was rooting against Pickett initially at the start of Pickett's tenure. It was weird for Ben to say that especially directly to pick him sitting there on Ben's podcast
1: and Pickett giggling. He was giggling, Tim, but we know how Ben is. Ben loves to be magnanimous or come off as magnanimous. It's so, all, you know, every time they would lose, he'd go on. Yeah. Cause forth. if
0: you saw this written in black and white, it would not come off as magnanimous.
1: Right. But with the dynamic of him sitting there and turning right to him and looking him deeply in the eyes, I didn't know this romance was coming kind of thing, you know, but Ben has done this for 20 years where it's like I will tack myself to the cross and I will make myself look good by talking about how bad I am. You know, I I threw for 468 yards, five touchdowns, and one interception that was batted. But that batted ball, I should have gotten more arc on it. And it's great because it makes him interesting. That's another thing I said, too, is like you know, people are like, why doesn't he just shut up and go away? Well, the last guy who shut up and went away immediately after he retired was Troy Polamalu. And all we did was wring our hands and say, why isn't Troy around the team more? So like if Ben was like,
0: like if it like it matters like anybody's around the team more. Let's be honest. What
1: Ben said didn't matter at all about anything. It's just interesting. And if he if it did matter and it did bother Pickett, then Pickett shouldn't be the quarterback of your football team. Right. And and he didn't seem the least bit bothered by it. I'm not saying that he was. I'm just saying that if it's that if, if you've got the kind of personality like something like that would bother you, you don't want that guy. That's Derek Carr kind of stuff is what that is.
0: In that vein, uh, Dan Orlovsky said on
1: ESPN that Trubisky
0: and Pickett are basically the same quarterback with the same flaws. You buying it?
1: No, no. I I think Pickett actually has a better head for the game than Trubisky does. I think Pickett's more mobile, too. Not a lot more mobile, but more mobile. I don't know about that, actually. Really? I think Trubisky's very mobile, but I think he hid that from all of us because he was so paranoid about getting himself hurt in the first four weeks that if he got outside of the pocket, he might not see the field again. They were just looking for an excuse to put Pickett in anyway. Uh, Trubisky's a very athletic guy. Finally, Tim, uh, the Steelers signed Marcus
0: Golden, ex of Atlanta, to be the number three Ed's rusher. That seems a pretty good get. I mean, he was real good a couple seasons ago. I think 11 sacks, just a couple sacks last year. But uh, but I think as a number three, and they need a number three because I think Watt's going to miss, you know, three, four games at least.
1: And, and maybe Highsmith's due to miss a few, too, you know. Um, I think with Golden, he's bigger than Malik Reed, and that is very important. Reed just wasn't big enough. And hopefully he's never viewed himself as a big enough star that he can have the issues that Ingram had here where he felt like he should have been promised more. Would you give Highsmith a new deal? I wouldn't give him a deal like what some addressers are getting I, I kind of depressed the market on yeah him.
0: i'm not going to give him a number one edge rusher deal when he's number two edge rusher right okay and, and like i'm not putting up with any hold in stuff if he does that at camp i'm saying get out there to work we'll, we'll talk about it but you're not going to pull that stuff you're not tj what see that was the
1: problem tim who was the first hold in um well cam kind of did it right yeah cam kind of did it and there, was there anybody before? My, my point is... is it, Oh, uh, Hines. Didn't Hines do it for a little while? That's a long...
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe. That's so long ago. And then but, and then he did hold But out, the point but... is, that shouldn't be, you know, what every guy who wants a new contract does. Alex Highsmith isn't good enough to do
1: it. Yeah, the, it got the most attention with Watt, and it just blew up from there. Now everybody does it. Not just with the Steelers, but everybody. Well, if I don't get what I want for this podcast, I'm going to...
0: I don't know how. How do you hold well,
1: you, in? You just kind of send them thirty minutes of dead air. I'm I just want. I'm won't, just not
0: speaking. I just won't talk as much. <laughs> That's Tim Benz on Mark Madden. This is the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Bet now from anywhere. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week. Available on the Bet Rivers Network, betrivers.com, and wherever you find your podcasts.